Chapter Three of Indiana. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Herndon Bell. Indiana by Georges Sand. Translated by George Burnham Ives. Chapter Three. You may be reassured, Monsieur," said Indiana. "The man you killed will be quite well in a few days. At least we hope so, although he is not yet able to talk." "That's not the question, Madame," said the Colonel, in a voice that trembled with suppressed passion. "I insist upon knowing the name of this interesting patient of yours, and how it came about that he mistook the wall of my park for the avenue to my house." i have absolutely no idea replied madame delmar with such a cold and haughty air that her redoubtable spouse was bewildered for an instant but his jealous suspicions soon regained the upper hand i shall find out madame he said in an undertone you may be sure that i shall find out thereupon as madame delmar pretended not to notice his rage and continued her attentions to the wounded man he left the room in order not to explode before the women and recalled the gardener what is the name of the man who you say resembles our prowler monsieur de ramiere it is he who just bought monsieur de cercey's little english house what sort of a man is he a nobleman a fop a fine gentleman a fine gentleman monsieur noble i think undoubtedly rejoined the colonel with emphasis monsieur de ramiere tell me louis he added lowering his voice have you ever seen this fop prowling about here last night monsieur louis replied with an embarrassed air i certainly saw as to its being a fop i can't say but it was a man sure enough and you saw him as plainly as i see you under the windows of the orangery and you didn't fall upon him with the handle of your shovel i was just going to do it monsieur but i saw a woman meet him at that moment i said to myself perhaps it's monsieur and madame who have taken a fancy to walk a bit before daybreak and i went back to bed but this morning i heard le lievre talking about a thief whose tracks he had seen in the park and i said to myself there's something under this and why didn't you tell me immediately stupid dame monsieur there are some things in life that are so delicate i understand you presume to have doubts you're a fool if you ever have another insolent idea of this sort i'll cut off your ears i know very well who the thief is and, and why he came into the garden I have put all these questions to you simply to find out what care you take of your orangery. Remember that I have some rare plants there that Madame sets great store by, and that there are collectors who are insane enough to rob their neighbors' hothouses. It was I whom you saw last night with Madame Delmar. And the poor Colonel walked away, more tormented, more exasperated than before leaving his gardener far from convinced that there are horticulturists fanatical enough to risk a bullet in order to purloin a shoot or a cutting monsieur delmar returned to the billiard-room 
and paying no heed to the symptoms of returning consciousness which the wounded man displayed at last he was preparing to search the pockets of his jacket which lay on a chair when he put out a hand and said in a faint voice you wish to know who i am monsieur but it is useless i will tell you when we are alone until then spare me the embarrassment of making myself known in my present disagreeable and absurd position it is a great pity in truth retorted the colonel sourly but i confess that i hardly appreciate it however as i trust that we shall meet again and alone i consent to defer an acquaintance until then meanwhile will you kindly tell me where i shall have you taken to the public-house in the nearest village if you please but monsieur is in no condition to be moved is he ralph said madame delmar hastily monsieur's condition affects you far too much madame said the colonel leave the room all of you he said to the women in attendance monsieur feels better and he will find strength now to explain his presence on my premises yes monsieur rejoined the wounded man and i beg all those who have been kind enough to bestow any care upon me to listen to my acknowledgment of my misconduct i feel that it is of much importance that there should be no misunderstanding here of my motives and it is of importance to myself that i should not be deemed what i am not let me tell you then what rascally scheme brought me to your park you have installed monsieur by methods of extreme simplicity known to you alone a factory which is immeasurably superior to all similar factories in the province both in respect to its processes and its product my brother owns a very similar establishment in the south of france but the cost of running it is enormous his business was approaching shipwreck when i learned of the success of your venture whereupon i determined to come and ask you to give me advice on certain points a generous service which could not possibly injure your own interests as my brother's output is of an entirely different nature from yours but the gate of your english garden was rigorously closed to me and when i asked for an interview with you i was told that you would not even allow me to look over your establishment repelled by these discourteous refusals i determined to save my brother's life and honor even at the peril of my own i entered your premises at night by scaling the wall and tried to obtain entrance to the factory in order to determine the machinery i had determined to hide in a corner to bribe your workmen to steal your secret in a word to enable an honest man to profit by it without injuring you such was my crime now monsieur if you demand any other reparation than that which you have just taken i am ready to offer it to you as soon as i am strong enough indeed i may perhaps demand it i think that we should cry quits monsieur replied the colonel half relieved from great anxiety take notice all of you of the explanation monsieur has given me i am over avenged assuming that i require any revenge go now and leave us to discuss my profitable business operations the servants left the room but they alone were deceived by this reconciliation the wounded man weakened by his long speech was not capable of appreciating the tone of the colonel's last words he fell back into madame delmar's arms and lost consciousness a second time 
she leaned over him not deigning to raise her eyes to her angry husband and the two strikingly contrasted faces of monsieur delmar and monsieur brown the one pale and distorted by anger the other calm and expressionless as usual questioned each other in silence monsieur delmar did not need to say a word to make himself understood however he drew sir ralph aside and said crushing his fingers in his grasp this is an admirably woven intrigue my friend i am delighted perfectly delighted with this young fellow's quick wit which enabled him to save my honour in the eyes of my servants but mordieu he shall pay dear for the insult which i feel in the depths of my heart and that woman nursing him who pretends not to know him ah how true it is that cunning is inborn in those creatures sir ralph utterly nonplussed walked methodically up and down the room three times at his first turn he drew the conclusion improbable at the second impossible at the third proven then returning with his impassive face to the colonel he pointed to noun who was standing behind the wounded man wringing her hands with haggard eyes and livid cheeks in the immobility of despair terror and misery a real discovery carries with it such a power of swift and overwhelming conviction that the colonel was more impressed by sir ralph's emphatic gesture than he would have been by the most persuasive eloquence doubtless sir ralph had more than one means of striking the right scent he recalled the fact that noun was in the park when he called her her wet hair her damp muddy shoes which testified to a strange fancy for walking abroad in the rain trivial details which had made but slight impression on him at the time that madame delmar fainted but which recurred to his memory now then too the extraordinary terror she had manifested her convulsive agitation and the cry she had uttered when she heard the shot monsieur delmar did not require all this evidence being more penetrating because he had more interest in the matter he had only to look at the girl's face to see that she alone was guilty but his wife's assiduity in ministering to the hero of this amorous adventure became more and more distasteful to him leave us indiana he said it is late and you are not well noun will remain with monsieur to take care of him during the night and to-morrow if he is better we will see about having him taken home there was nothing to say in reply to this unexpected complaisance madame delmar who was so determined in her resistance to her husband's violence always yielded to his milder moods she requested sir ralph to remain a little longer with the patient and withdrew to her bedroom not without ulterior motives had the colonel arranged things thus an hour later when everybody had gone to bed and the house was still he stole softly into the room where monsieur de ramiere lay and hiding behind a curtain was speedily convinced by the young man's conversation with the lady's maid that an amorous intrigue between the two was in progress the young creole's unusual beauty had created a sensation at the rustic balls in the neighborhood she had not lacked offers of homage even from members of some of the finest families of the province more than one handsome officer of lancers in garrison at milan had put himself out to please her but noun was still to have her first love affair and only one of her suitors had succeeded in pleasing her 
Monsieur de Ramière. Colonel Delmar was by no means desirous of following the development of their liaison, so he retired as soon as he had made sure that his wife had not for an instant occupied the thoughts of the alma viva of this adventure. He heard enough of it, however, to realize the difference between the love of poor Noun, who threw herself into the affair with all the vehemence of her passionate nature, and that of the well-born youth, who yielded to the impulse of a day without abjuring the right to resume his reason on the morrow. When Madame Delmar awoke, she found Noun beside her bed, embarrassed and downcast. But she had ingenuously given credence to Monsieur de Ramière's explanation, the more readily as persons interested in Monsieur Delmar's line of trade had previously tried to surprise the secrets of the Delmar factory, by stratagem or by fraud. She attributed her companion's embarrassment, therefore, to the excitement and fatigue of the night, and Noun took courage when she saw the colonel calmly enter his wife's room and discuss the affair of the previous evening with her as a perfectly natural occurrence. In the morning Sir Ralph had satisfied himself as to the patient's condition. The fall, although a severe one, had had no serious result. The wound in the hand had already closed. Monsieur de Ramière had expressed a desire to be taken to Milan, and he had distributed the contents of his purse among the servants to induce them to keep quiet concerning his adventure, in order, he said, that his mother, who lived within a few leagues, might not be alarmed. Thus the story became known very slowly, and in several different versions. Certain information concerning the English factory of Monsieur de Ramière, the brother, added weight to the fiction the intruder had happily improvised. The colonel and Sir Ralph had the delicacy to keep Noun's secret, without even letting her know that they knew it, and the Delmar family soon ceased to give any thought to the incident. End of chapter 3